Vision and Sounds. Built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work back Magnesium is naturally found in foods like... This is the Well and Good Podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Making decisions is hard. Pile on global health crises after global health crises on top of decisions that are already hard to make, and it feels like anything you choose can come with repercussions. You not only have to tap in with your own intuition, but you have to consider what is quote-unquote safe, what is worth the risk, and who may be impacted by the choices you make. I'm Taylor Camille, Director of Podcasts here at Well & Good, and I am fatigued of making decisions whether they're big or small, and I'm now in desperate need of assistance when it comes to making up my mind. As you may have heard in past astrological episodes on this show, I'm a Libra, and so that really does not help. We are notoriously stereotyped for being indecisive, making decisions only in the final hour, just before shit hits the fan, and still probably find something wrong with the decisions made in the aftermath. Fortunately for me, and maybe some of you who are also plagued by the thought of making decisions, there's a coach for this. Yes, a coach who can help us stop lingering on the what-ifs and simply make the decision. My name is Nell Wolfhart, and I have a few different careers. I'm a writer, and I'm an author, and I am a decision coach, which is exactly what it sounds like. I help people make big decisions. People approach me for all kinds of decisions, like deciding between job offers, deciding whether or not to leave a relationship, deciding whether to get a dog. I mean, somebody reached out to me a month ago for help in deciding whether or not to get a tattoo removed. So it runs the absolute gamut. Like there's just a huge range of decisions to be made out there. Um, 
And I just kind of help people over the hump. So like, what is your process of getting your clients out of their heads and like starting to actually take actionable steps to making decisions? I am all about actionable steps. I do a lot of active listening, but my approach is all about like getting the decision done so you can get going. So each session is just an hour. So it's not like we spend a long time. It's all about efficiency and, and you know, people get bogged down, especially maybe as you know, Taylor, like if you're an overthinker that like you just kind of can get stuck in that rut. It's like a vicious cycle. The little details start to take on these like overdue importance and it becomes really stressful. And then you just, you're just mired. And basically I just come along and sort of pull you out of that, that swamp. So it's basically about helping people figure out a couple of things. Like this is not rocket science. It's figuring out your values, the things that are important to you. And it's writing down what you want your life to look like in the future. Um, I get everyone Mm -hmm. to do those two exercises before they call me. And they're, you know, they're a part of the call. We, we try and make decisions that are in line with, with people's values because honestly, when you make a decision that is not in line with your values, that's just a shortcut to unhappiness. Like I can tell you that right now. Right. Um, and it's basically a process of, we talk about the decision, but I just ask a ton of questions and I can tell you for most people, and this probably applies to you also, Taylor, when you're making decisions, like you already sort of know what you want to do. Like it's somewhere in there, but it's just layered over with, with research and thinking and other people's opinions. And my whole goal is to just like reach inside the client and like find the thing that they actually want. And then I, I just write them a permission slip and tell them it's okay to do the thing that you want to do. Curious, like, what is the barometer to you in terms of, like, thoughtfulness and then, like, just straight up overthinking? That is such a good question. I think for most people, it's so hard to find that line. But I, and again, I think it's different for every decision. You know, you want to make sure that you cover all the bases and the important things. And then there's a point at which you're like, let me just read one more article. Or like, say you're just deciding like (laughs) between different cities to live in. Then you're like, oh, well, this one is two degrees warmer in the winter. And this one is two degrees colder. You know, taking on board those kinds of details or you're procrastinating by researching past the point of like acquiring new information. That's a good place to to draw the line. But I do have a rule that people can apply for their everyday lives, which is take the amount of time you think you need to make a decision and cut it in half. Give yourself that deadline and then you just have to stick to that deadline. 50% of the time you think you need, honestly, it's probably already more than enough. Can you tell by my nervous laughter I'm feeling a bit targeted? I will tell you that the quality of the decision is not really affected by how much time you spend thinking about it. We can't predict mm-hmm. the future, right? I, I may help people make decisions, but I can't predict the future. I just look at, you know, we try and make the best possible decision based on the information we have at the time. And more yeah. thinking, it just, it doesn't change the quality of the decision past a certain point. You know, once you've got the, the fundamentals established, just pick one thing and, and do it. And I promise you, it'll be just as successful as if you continued to, Think about it for another six days or six weeks or six months. Yeah. And as people who have dealt with the pandemic and things that made it obvious that we can't predict the future, nothing is in our control. How do you think that has affected our decision making? All the rules were out the window. I know a lot of people found it terrifying. In a way, I kind of found it liberating because especially when we were maybe one year in, I was like, 
there are no rules anymore. Like literally we can do whatever we want. Like we have a chance to like start from the ground up and build something totally different. And now that we know how fragile the structures around us are and how the rules are malleable, like I think there's a lot of freedom in that and that you can go ahead and do the thing that you always wanted to do and probably it's going to be fine. Like it just, the pandemic just helped us to see how, how little those rules matter, how little other people's opinion matters. Like we don't, ever really know what the future holds. Um, and so we just have to make our, our take our best guess at what our future selves will want. And I'm a big fan of giving our future selves the most options possible. Now for, for overthinkers and people yeah. who struggle with decisions, this sounds bad because they're like, oh no, two more, cho- like more choices in the future. But what I really mean is that like, if you don't know exactly what you're going to do for the next few years, if you're feeling like you're at a crossroads, like, and you're like, I don't know what my future self will want. I don't know where she's going to want to live. I don't know what she's going to be wanting to do for work. Like, we do know some things, right? So we can just make the decisions that even if we're not sure it's the perfect choice, as long as it gives our future selves all of those things, then it's a good choice. A big part of making decisions is also about taking risks. I have so much to say about risk. And the first thing is that people are very, <laughs> very, very bad at risk assessment. Terrible at it. Terrible, (laughs) terrible, terrible at it. Um, And so, okay, so example, people think starting their own business is extremely risky, but we live in a country with at-will employment. So like your boss can fire you for wearing the wrong color t-shirt. Having a single (laughs) employer in the United States is extremely risky. All your livelihood depends on one person's opinion. But if you have multiple clients in your own business, the chances they're all going to fire you in one day those are very small. Not so you're in fact, and you're also yeah. making investment in your future. You know, you're not depending on other people for your survival and all those things. So, I mean, it might sound risky, but if you actually look at it, it's less risky. Um, and of course, I don't encourage mm-hmm. people to quit their jobs and run off and start their own business from scratch. Like, you know, you start doing it on the side, you do it on the weekends. But I would just yeah. say that also, probably for most listeners of this podcast, to think about worst case scenarios. And I think for a lot of us, people who have a certain level of privilege, the worst case scenario in most of our decisions is like if you're trying to decide whether to take a new job, the worst case scenario is you end up in a job you don't like that much. And if you're yeah. if you're calling me to make that decision about a job offer, you're probably already in that scenario. So where's the <laughs> risk? Right. It's interesting that I love that how you started with we're just poor risk assessors because I think that is so bad, just- so bad, so bad. And and I think this kind of goes hand in hand with overthinking because then you end up overthinking all the things that could go wrong. Um, and, yeah. and I will also just say that for to make people feel more comfortable about taking, a, you know, a theoretically risky decision is that you can turn almost every decision into the right decision by just putting in a lot of work. Okay, decision is made, risk is taken. And I think where I often get tripped up is like shit changes. Like (laughs) things hit the fan and coming to terms with the fact that, okay, I made this decision, but now like this has happened that's affecting the decision that I made. And how do we come to terms with that? First of all, I would say we can't beat ourselves up for making a decision when we didn't have all the information. You know, people people Mm -hmm. sometimes decide to take a new job, the new job doesn't work out. And then like, oh no, I made a terrible decision. Like, no, the decision with the information that you had was a good one. And it was impossible to know what the job would be like until you started doing it. Like the outcome of the decision was beyond your control. 
The only thing that is in your control is the decision. And you did the best job you possibly could do with that. So let's not like go backwards and blame our past selves for making decisions. The decision is a good one. The outcome you could not control. Yeah. You know, that's that's difficult. Right. And again, I think that we waste a lot of time on regret, right? And I would even say that as a decision mm-hmm. coach, I'm basically in like the regret minimization business. When when anybody is making a decision, <laughs> all they're looking to do is like minimize the chances of regret. Um, regret but you can just yeah. spend less time on regret. Okay, you took a new job. You thought it was your dream job. It's not such a great job. You don't love it. Okay. Do we stew in that regret for months and months and months? Or do we polish up the resume, send it out again and get another job? You know, like there's always something you can do. Um, We're never totally, totally trapped in the consequences of a decision. There's there's always something you can do and some kind of creative path you can take. And and really very few things are, are, are fully set in stone. Make the big leap, take the risk, and see what happens. Like your life could be so much better if you if you just push yourself to take that action rather than than you know kind of stay at home and hide away and put put off making decisions. Because if there's a big decision that you have to make, you're going to have to go through that uncomfortable process at some point. And then you get to the good part. Yeah. So if you have to go through the hard part at some point, like let's just get it over with and get to the good get part faster. <laughs> You know, that honestly, I think that's why people call me because they they spend so long stewing in the decision. And then it's like, once I've made the decision, once we've made the decision and they know what to do, like the hard part is over. Just go ahead and make a list of all the decisions that are currently on your to decide list. Just write down all the decisions Mm -hmm. and then just go through and make a decision on each one. Give yourself one hour, make all those decisions right now. And then just follow through on all those decisions. And you will see how much success you have with the quality of those decisions. You will see. It's going to be exactly the same as if you continue to sit with that to-do list in your mind for another six months. Just make all the decisions, get that hard part of the way, and then just start executing. And your life could be so much better, like, immediately. Be free. Be free. free. Yes, exactly. One of my taglines is, your therapist won't tell you what to do, but I will. And so, of course, we had to talk to a therapist. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I think with decision making, many of us are overthinking it, even the small ones. And so it can feel overwhelming because I think somewhere in our brains, there's this idea that there's a right and a wrong decision and we don't want to make the wrong one and we want to make the right one. And then we want to make the best one. That's Dr. Thea Gallagher, an assistant professor at NYU, clinical psychologist, and host of her own podcast, Mind in View. 
with my specialty, really with treating anxiety disorders, I, I help people with this all the time because anxiety is a huge factor. But on the positive side, I think when you're at a place where you realize efficiency benefits your life, then, and you get to see the benefits of that, then you can start making decisions in a more efficient way. As established, my decision-making has been less than efficient, especially as of late. I don't know about you, but I think being in lockdown in a very privileged position of having very few decisions to make other than what time will I close my laptop or what should I get from the grocery store, what's on the menu for dinner, I felt extremely out of practice when it comes to re-entering the world and deciding on a seemingly endless array of options. I wondered what Dr. Thea has noticed. And so have you seen any changes between like how we were making decisions before COVID and kind of how we're approaching decisions in our lives now? We've seen an uptick of anxiety, depression. And when our mental health is impacted, it does impact decision-making, especially mm -hmm. with anxiety and depression, because you can be worried about a decision being the right thing. So I do think there is a correlation between the decision-making and that. Um, I also think that our decisions were kind of made for us for a long time when we were in lockdown. Like, right. I don't have to make a decision. So we kind of got out of practice. Yeah. Um, and then when you get out of practice with anything, doing it again can also take up a little bit more energy. So, like, we're out of practice with, like, larger social gatherings. So, A, getting back into that practice might take up more mental resources. And then even emotional resources because, oh my gosh, I'm not used to being in a crowd. What's that going to be like? And we can start to predict and feel overwhelmed by something that we haven't done in a while. So I do think making you know decisions in that way can feel overwhelming. I know for me the other day, I had to commute to the city for one day. And I felt like it was like running a marathon. And yeah. I realized like that I just, I hadn't done it in a while. So it was taking up more resources because it was kind of a novel experience because it hadn't happened in some time. But I kind of tell people, you know, if somebody had told you what you were going to experience these last two and a half years right beforehand, you would have been like, there's no way I could do that. That sounds insane. That sounds so overwhelming. Like your whole life is going to change. Everything you know to be real is going to change. But the truth is we are much better able to handle situations than we predict we're going to handle them. Because when we actually do the thing, we can survive, we can get through it. And in reality, we are much more able to handle things than we realize. When we just go through it, dive in, we tend to fare out okay. And this reminded me of jumping in a cold pool on a hot summer's day. But then there's the flip side of anticipating what we might go through. Standing on the edge of the pool, everyone's saying, come on in, the water's great, you'll get used to it. Counting down, but never jumping. Almost hoping someone will just push you in. I think in this modern world with all of this information and with so many possible pathways, it can feel really overwhelming. So how do we become more efficient with this onslaught of information and pathways? Like, how do we just stay our course? I think it starts with some kind of behavioral changes that you can make, some really straightforward things you can do, you know, with perfectionism. Perfectionism, we know, is really rewarded when we're younger. You know, if you do well in elementary school, middle school, even high school, um, you can get a lot of positive feedback for that. But as we have more on our plate, we don't really have the time to dedicate as much time as many of us are to decision-making. And it actually starts to impact our efficiency, which is also really rewarded and actually more important for us as adults. So one of the things I do with helping people to make decisions is 
doing something like a pro-con list. But Mm -hmm. if you have anxiety and perfectionism, that pro-con list might not even be that helpful because there's always a what if, you're predicting an outcome, you don't know what could happen. But at some point you need to make the decision. So one of the ways that you can do that is that you put some boundaries on time. Okay, so there's a consensus and we know the less time, the better. Like, okay, how long should it take me to decide what I want to eat for dinner? How long should it take me to decide where to buy this pair of shoes? Uh, What's a reasonable amount of time? You really want to stick to the time parameter that you have set. And then once you've made the decision, I really encourage people not to go back and look for possible better options. Yep, I'm guilty. And another technique that I have people utilize is the coin flip technique. When you really feel like you're between a couple options to flip a coin and let the coin decide. And and it's a really interesting activity because it helps people realize that a lot of these decisions are not as big as they feel and letting your Mm -hmm. life be decided by chance almost can be actually a really freeing thing because you realize I've put too much pressure on these decisions and they're not that big. And I think at the core, I really want to help people realize that there are very few right and wrong decisions in life. There's probably like a good and a better. And sometimes you don't know the outcome until you get there. And that's also part of the learning process. Well, how do we take more control? Because living up to chance is one thing, but also we should have control over some things in our lives and feel comfortable with that control, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, to some extent. It's normal and natural to want some predictability and some control over our lives. But what's interesting is when procrastination and anxiety, perfectionism gets involved, you actually are choosing to have less control. So I'm Mm -hmm. actually more leaving my life to chance than having some level of control because I think there is a desire to have ultimate control over every aspect of this experience. And we just can't do that. And so when you feel overwhelmed by that, then you might avoid. So we do see this relationship between procrastination and perfectionism and decision-making because it's overwhelming. I don't know what the perfect right decision is because I don't know all the possible outcomes and variables. And so I'm just going to avoid it altogether. And then we end up getting more stressed and having less control. And so what is really necessary is what we call exposure. And doing an exposure here would be to plan that vacation and actually to set a reasonable amount of time to make some reservations doing some research, but nothing to the extreme amount, and then pulling the trigger on these decisions and actually making them and then living with the consequences of those decisions. I think what a lot of people find is that they feel more free when they actually do make the decision. And there's some interesting research about what we call maximizers and satisficers. Mm -hmm. So maximizers are people that spend a lot of time trying to make the best possible decision. And they might actually do that in the end, but we know that they're not as happy and they're actually more stressed. And then they're thinking, is there another best possible decision? And we know with people who give themselves less time and make like good enough decisions, they, they might not be the perfect decision, but at the end of the day, they are happier and have more time in their life because they didn't spend so much time worrying and ruminating um, and kind of living in the abstract space because they were actually making the decision and living their life. Exposure therapy may sound overwhelming, but it actually can help many of us, especially those of us who experience anxiety, get off of what Dr. Thea refers to as the merry-go-round of doom. You're thinking, but you're not actually getting anywhere because there is no outcome between 
anxiety and outcome. But somewhere in our minds, we think, if I just think this through hard enough, I'll get to the other side. And with anxiety, it's actually just like a trap. It just gives you more what-if options. Mm -hmm. So you really have to see, is this thought process, is it productive? Is it leading to a resolution? Or am I on this merry-go-round and I'm just going around and around? And sometimes it's hard when you have a decision where it feels like it's pretty equal with what you're going to decide to do. And at some point, you know, there is that exposure piece of just taking a step, taking a leap. And so why exposure therapy is the gold standard treatment for anxiety and anxiety-related disorders is because you are doing the thing anyway that you're afraid of, and you're actually seeing what the outcome is going to be instead of predicting it and planning it. Because again, like a lot of those predictions or thoughts about the future are negative. They're not positive. You're not sitting here predicting and planning how great your life is going to be. You're usually what ifing about the worst case scenarios. Yeah. Which is so easy to do when, <laughs> I don't know, when we just made it out of, barely made it out of the pandemic. <laughs> I could really come up with some negative headspace <laughs> if I had to. Totally. So we're taking steps to change the behavior, not spending too much time on our pros and cons list, but focusing heavily on the pros and the positives and working our way up to taking the leap, facing our fears and exposing ourselves so we can get to the living, taking risks so we can reap the rewards. Dr. Thea had this to add. It is important to shift our perspective of risk and, and how you do that is think through what what could go right mm-hmm. um, and what do you want and what also is not going right in your life right now. What do you not enjoy? Introspection can be really helpful and to know our inner selves is really important. And so to spend some time like reflecting what is really bothering me, what is going on here, what has changed. I think it really starts with doing some a really good non-judgmental observation of your life and introspection. And then how you rewire your brain is to say, if these things changed, how could I feel? What could the positives be on the other side? I think sometimes we have this expectation that we are not going to have fear and that will be a sign that this is a good decision to make. Yeah. I always tell people, let's try not to let fear and anxiety make decisions for us. Like, is yeah. this a decision based on fear or is this a decision based on hope? What I hope will happen. And, you know, you can't see in a crystal ball, you can't see that a job actually might scratch some itches for you that you didn't even know you had or might really fulfill you in a different way. But sometimes you have to take that leap and hope for that to happen. And I think there's something in our society too about like, permanence and sticking with something for a really long time that gives it extra clout or extra value to it. But sometimes something can really like serve a purpose and it's okay to want a change or a shift or maybe even just to see if that change or a shift is the right thing for you. And I think as long as you're making that decision with some backup of information, it can be really good. I think many of us are, you know, with this perfectionism and overthinking, we're, we're hesitant when we actually should be a little bit more assertive with those decisions. So what are the benefits to getting to the other side, to making those decisions? How can being proactive about making these small-scale life changes affect our well-being for the better? Well, for decision-making, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind that I tell people is you're going to have time back in your life. Like time that you can dedicate to other things other than just overthinking. And it's this concept of like, do you have a problem in your life? Can you do anything about it? Then don't worry. Because if you can do something about it, then do that thing. If you can't do that thing, then 
then you can't do that thing. I think the problem is that rumination, is that going around and around. So you're going to save yourself a lot of time and you're also going to get back to living and not thinking about living and not predicting living. There's no correlation between the worry and outcome. So when you get there, you'll handle it. And so bringing yourself back to the present is going to free up a lot of time for you. And we also know it's going to make you a happier person because you're actually living your life and not thinking about living your life. As much as I personally love to overthink, procrastinate, and weigh all of my options ad nauseum, enough time has slipped away. I felt more inclined and more motivated to make the decisions on my list with the knowledge shared from Nell and Dr. Thea, and I just continue to remind the perfectionist in me that there's no right or wrong when it comes to making decisions. I try now to focus less on perfection and more on the positives and just get on with it. On today's show, you heard from Nell Wolfhart and Dr. Thea Gallagher. This episode was scripted in part by Charlotte Tratner and produced by Ella Dove, Abby Stone, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel. And our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.